0: Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Now Dodie, a schoolteacher for 13 years, decided to travel and see the sights that she had taught about in her class. Traveling alone in her SUV and a camper trailer in tow, she launched out. But One afternoon, in a rush hour traffic, her SUV's water pump blew. She was tired, she was exasperated, scared, and alone. In spite of the traffic jam she caused, no one seemed interested in helping her. Leaning up against the trailer, she prayed, oh God, would you please provide an angel, preferably one with mechanical experience. (laughs) Uh, Within four minutes, a huge Harley drove up, ridden by an enormous man sporting long black hair, a beard, and tattoos. With an incredible air of confidence, he jumped off and without even glancing at Dodie, went to work on a vehicle. Within a few minutes, he flagged down a larger truck, attached uh, 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 a load restraint chain to the frame of the disabled SUV and whisked it off the freeway onto a side street where he calmly continued to work on the water pump. The intimidated schoolteacher was too dumbfounded to talk, especially when she read the words on the back of his leather jacket, hell's angels. As he finished the task, she finally finally got up the courage to say thank you so much and carried on a brief conversation with this man. Noticing her surprise at the whole ordeal, he looks her straight in the eye and mumbled, don't judge a book by its cover. You may not know who you're talking to. With that, he smiled, closed the hood of the SUV, and straddled his Harley, with well, the wave was gone as fast as he had appeared. Now, Jesus was always on the receiving end of people's judgment, particularly the Pharisees, the strict, law-abiding Jewish leaders in Jesus' day. He rode them off, as a legitimate teacher and questioned his teachings very often. And one big reason being that he was hanging out too much with sinners, such as prostitutes, tax collectors, and people on the fringes of society like the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. These are people whom the Pharisees had little to no regard for. But we know that God is nothing like the Pharisees. It matters not one iota where people are or where they've come from, Because God, unlike us, does not judge by outward appearances. Instead, he looks at the heart as we are about to see in the story in Luke 19, 1 to 10. Another guy who is judged harshly, very harshly, by his own community. And I've titled this morning's message, Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover. All things are possible with God. Let's read the text again that... uh, Adele read out earlier. Jesus entered Jericho, made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name, Zacchaeus. He said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I give half of my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. In a story that appears only in Luke, we're introduced to a short Jewish man by the name of Zacchaeus. An abbreviation of Zachariah, Zacchaeus, means the righteous one. The irony would not have been lost on the, on the crowd because of his occupation. See, he was a text collector, a sinner with a capital S, despised not only by the Pharisees, but by almost everyone in his community. We see this in response, in the response of the entire crowd when Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' home. Remember in verse 8, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a notorious, not just a sinner, but a notorious sinner. So why the hate and why the disdain? Firstly, tax collectors were independent contractors colluding with the hated Roman occupiers. Secondly, tax collectors were notorious for ripping off the public to fatten their pockets. As long as they collected what was owed to Rome, they could charge charge pretty much anything they could get away with. To top it off, Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, which meant that he oversaw a bunch of other cheats. So he was the chief cheat. So Even though he was considerably wealthy and powerful, he was a complete social outcast because tax collectors were seen as people who have betrayed their God, their nation, and even their family. That was, why, that was the reason why the crowd didn't make way for him to see Jesus when he came by, something that they would not have done for people of wealth and status, who are regarded as honored members of the community, but not Zacchaeus. He was a complete write-off. He was despised, but not for Jesus. His mission was to seek those who are lost, like Zacchaeus, that they may come to know the grace of God. Sensing no way through the crowd, the undeterred Zacchaeus runs ahead, and climbs a sycamore tree with a short trunk, a tree with a short trunk, and wide and strong lateral branches. In other words, an easy tree to climb, but still very undignified for a man of his stature. And this strongly indicates that Zacchaeus' interest in Jesus was not, was more than just curiosity. He was after something, but what was he after? Well, stay with the story. Jesus sees Zacchaeus. Fully aware aware that Zacchaeus was a pariah, fully aware of public opinion that says people like Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus should be canceled, Jesus, as usual, does the unexpected. He calls Zacchaeus down from the tree because he wants to spend the night at his place. This is amazing. What Jesus was offering to Zacchaeus was his hand of friendship. You see, Jesus loves taking his place among the outcasts. Those considered down and out, those rejected and written off by society. The crowd is incensed. This is scandalous. But Zacchaeus didn't care either. With great excitement and joy, he accepts Jesus' self-invitation. Jesus' warmth, Jesus' acceptance, Jesus' offer of friendship transforms Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus encounters God through Jesus. He repents right there and then and receives salvation. And this is what he has been after, not just a sight of Jesus, but an experience of Jesus. And this is confirmed in verse nine. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. And Zacchaeus, who was lost, is now found. Zacchaeus has desperately wanted to find out for himself if Jesus was truly the son of God. And he was. And in grateful response to God for his salvation, he announces a radical change in his handling of wealth. Unlike the rich young ruler we met last week in Luke chapter 18 verses 18 to 29 who chose wealth over God, Zacchaeus pledges 50% of his wealth to helping the poor. And not only that, for anyone he defrauded, they will receive compensation at four times the amount taken. That is a significant Amount of money. One scholar remarked that his decision would have put a significant dent on his wealth. Never judge a book by its cover when it comes to people and when it comes to God in particular. We know we shouldn't stereotype people based on their appearances, such as what they wear, where they live, their ethnicity nationality, their occupation, their level of education, just to name a few examples. But we do, don't we? We stereotype people. But at the same time, if we're honest to ourselves, we do understand Doty's response to the hell angels bikey. I think most of us would have had similar feelings because there is some truth in the saying, if it looks like a duck, swims like a duck, quacks like a duck, then it's probably a duck. So you don't want to throw the baby out with the bath water. But having said that, we are followers of Jesus. We walk by faith in Jesus and not by sight. And because of that, there is always hope of transformation with God. Whether there are Zacchaeus' or Hell's Angels' bikeys sporting long hair, Uh, beard, and tattoos. God will never write anyone off. He will never give up on anyone, especially including those in our lives we're sure will never come to faith or change. No one is too far gone. No one is too damaged. No one is too anti-God and anti-Jesus. Look, I know it's hard to believe this, I struggle with it myself, but we must take heart from Jesus' words in Luke 18, 27, when he said, what looks impossible for us is most definitely possible for God. And if you remember, those words were uttered in response to the rich young ruler who chose wealth over God. But a few verses later, we encounter Zacchaeus, a rich person another rich person, probably as wealthy as the rich young ruler who rejected Jesus. But we're given another story right after that of another rich man who responds to God. Don't judge a book by its cover, whether it's people or God in particular. God's grace is much greater than humanity's disgrace. And we see plenty of evidence of this in the Bible. The Apostle Paul, who considers himself the worst of sinners, is a prime example. But look at his life. Look at the transformation that God brought to his life and through his life. And we can include the broken, devastated Samaritan woman at the well, Philemon, a slave owner, the prodigal son, disrespectful prodigal son, the cruel Philippian jailer, the wealthy businesswoman Lydia, another wealthy person who chose God over wealth. Many times in the Bible, those written off turn out to be more responsive to God. Take heart then. Those you have placed in the too hard basket, those you have placed in the impossible basket, know this morning, that God will keep pursuing them and wanting what's best for them until their dying breath, amen? That is the God whom we serve. And this is why Jesus prevails upon us that we should always pray and not give up in the parable of the persistent widow back in Luke 18. God is our very present help in time of need, no matter what we face, no matter what our loved ones face, no matter how hopeless a person is, how a, a, a person's situation appears to be, when all hope seems lost, reset, look to God, remember his character, remember his purpose, which he says is for good, not for disaster, to give all people a future and a hope. This is my mom and dad. This was taken in the last century. Uh, late 1990s. If they were alive, they'd be 98 and 96 years old, respectively. They were staunch Buddhists slash Taoists, the religion of their forebears, the religion of many Chinese in Hong Kong, in Taiwan, Singapore, and Malaysia. My only sister and four brothers and myself were expected to follow suit and embrace the religion of our ancestors, and we did for a while. One day, my eldest brother, the firstborn son, became a Christian. All hell broke loose. My dad was furious with him, furious at what he felt were acts of betrayal and disloyalty. His reaction had nothing to do with the beliefs of Christianity, but on the misconception that Christianity is the religion of Caucasians, is the religion of the West. And so by becoming a Christian, my brother was rejecting his culture for another one. That's how my dad felt. And not only that, he took his decision very personally. See, in the eyes of his family and his friends, his firstborn son had humiliated him. He got so mad, he actually considered taking out an ad in the papers to disown my brother. I kid you not, he was so furious with him. I'm gonna disown him publicly. Now my mom, even though she was hurt by my brother's decision, she felt like my dad was taking things too far. So she talked my dad down, and fortunately, my dad listened. But he was the black sheep of the family. There was no question about that. And the rest of us uh, saw him as an enemy. Uh, we could see how he had hurt mom and dad, and we were disgusted by his decision. We had no understanding of what Christianity was. We didn't care. We weren't interested in listening to why he became a Christian. We just felt like he had done the wrong thing by following a white man's God. It's just not on. And we could see the hurt uh, that he had caused uh, our parents. But in the ensuing years, my sister and my rema- myself and my remaining brothers all encountered God's saving grace through Jesus. What happens now? They're completely isolated. All of us were, of course, praying earnestly for Mom and Dad to receive salvation, to come to know Jesus. Whenever we could and whenever it was appropriate appropriate to do so, we'd share stories of answered prayers and we shared the gospel with Mom and Dad. But they looked very disinterested. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It just felt like, for a time, for a long time, it just felt like that they would never come to faith in Jesus. They looked like a lost cause, too far gone, too steep in the Buddhist and Taoist way to become followers of Jesus. One day, I had a dream. In that dream, I saw my dad becoming a Christian. When I woke up, I remember laughing at the ridiculousness of the dream, like Sarah, when she was told she was going to be pregnant with a child. Because in conversations, mom at least engaged and showed some interest. But dad was hard as nails. Then in 1981 or 1982, I think, my oldest brother, the first one in the family who became a Christian, was leaving to go to Japan to become a missionary. The immediate, our immediate family, but the extended family were all there to say our goodbye. So there were a lot of, you know, relatives there at the airport. And he was giving everyone a hug, and he saved the last person, uh, my dad, the hug for a hug. And as he hugged dad, he wailed. The Spirit of God came upon him, he wailed, and then he uttered, these words to my dad. Dad, Jesus loves you. Dad, Jesus loves you. Dad, Jesus loves you. And dad would tell us later that God used my brother's words and show of emotion, unusual for my brother, to speak very deeply to his heart. The Holy Spirit began stirring his heart after that about all kinds of things. For example, His Chinese name means peace, but he would say to people later that he had never experienced peace in his life. And suddenly, suddenly, out of the blue, dad approached mom, all right? Out of the blue, he approaches mom and tells her that he would like to go to church. Would she come with her? Because he didn't want to go by himself. Mom was completely bowled over because she still remembers his threat to disown his son simply for becoming a follower of Jesus. And now he's telling her, I want to go to church and consider the possibility of becoming a follower of Jesus myself. She didn't give him an answer for three days. And then on the third day, she told him, yes, I would go to church with you. And the reason, she told us later, was because of dad's complete change of heart towards Jesus. She said, if Jesus can change my husband like that, he must be a powerful God. He must be a powerful God. Never judge by its cover when it comes to people, and in particular when it comes to God. Who would have thought that such a man like Zacchaeus would come to faith, written off by his family, written off by his uh, countrymen and countrywomen? Who would have thought that my parents, whom we thought at one stage would die without Christ, end up being passionate followers of Jesus until their death? What looks impossible for us is possible for God. Are there people in your lives that you have placed in the too hard basket, the impossible basket, in terms of them coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus or change this morning? On the surface, it may look like nothing is happening, but don't judge a book by its cover. And don't judge God by the circumstances you see know this morning that God will keep pursuing them and wanting what's best for them until their dying breath. God is a miracle worker who never stops working to reconcile people to himself. The Son of Man man came to save and rescue the lost. May the Lord grow our faith in him to believe afresh that what looks impossible for us is most definitely possible for God. Jesus says to us the same words he said to his disciples in Mark 11, verse 22. Have faith in God. Put your faith in God. So this morning, before we close with our final song, I'd like us to stand. And I want you to think of one person, just one person Someone you've written off, someone you've put in the too hard basket, someone you've put in the impossible basket. I don't see how this person will ever change and come and be a follower of Jesus. Do you have someone like that? I'd like you to stand. I'd like you to think of that person and offer that person to God this morning. Just one person, if you can think of a whole group of people, by all means, but I just want you to think of one person. One person you think is in a too hot basket. Maybe you want to lift your hands and say, Lord, I, I give this person to you. This person ra- represents Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, a total outcast, written off, rich, filthy man, corrupt, absolutely corrupt but he became a follower of Jesus, a passionate follower of Jesus. That story gives us hope. God wants to give you hope. God wants to remind you this morning that he is working on your behalf, that your prayers do not fall on deaf ears. Know this this morning, brothers and sisters. Do not be discouraged. It looks impossible. It looks like your prayers are not making any difference. But you... You are making a difference through your prayers. Keep praying, Jesus would say to you. Keep praying. Keep offering them up to me. Keep offering this person to me. I care about them more than you'll ever realize. I care about them more than you think I do. I'm not sitting on my hands. I'm working. I'm working. I'm working even when you don't feel it, even when you don't see it. I am working on your behalf and on their behalf. Let's offer this person up to the Lord. Lord, we offer this individual to you. We want to be honest, and you love honest prayers. We just don't see how this individual will change. But we're encouraged by the story we heard today. We're encouraged by the transformation that we saw in Zacchaeus' life. And I think that's why Luke arranged the story the way he did. That Zacchaeus' story would follow straight after the rich young ruler who walked away sad, despondent because he would not choose God over his wealth. And we don't know. We can't say that he wasn't a Christian. We can't say that he didn't turn to you later on. We will find out when we see you face to face. But we are given hope. We're given an encouragement in Zacchaeus, another rich ruler, wealthy. You turn his life around. You turn his life around. And I pray, God, that you will put faith in our hearts from this story today. That you will help us have faith in you, to keep having faith in you for our loved ones, for this person whom we've been praying for. Give us faith. Help us to keep faith in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.